Let's have a word of prayer, and then let's feast this morning on God's Word. Amen? Father God, thank you for this day. Thank you for a great, uh, I almost said Easter. It just was right there, and I stopped it, right? Not, no, Thanksgiving. Thank you for a great Thanksgiving weekend. Father God, we love you. I'm so glad for your Word and that you minister to us today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The word joy is in the Bible 181 times. It starts early in the Old Testament and runs almost to the end of the New Testament. Imagine in your mind, it is like a golden ribbon that runs through the entire Word of God. Now, that doesn't count the word joyous, joyful, thankful, thanksgiving. If I looked up all of those words, I'm sure it would easily come to maybe three or 400. All through God's word, God asks us to be joyful. He asks us to be thankful. Now listen, I know everybody in this room, myself included, have things that we're going through. But one of the common denominators that should be true of us as a church and as Christians is that we have joy, that we have thankfulness, that we have gratefulness. I'm almost, I'm always amazed as a pastor at how Christians treat each other, how Christians treat their families, but then they'll say, oh, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And so we're going to read a story this morning. Uh, We're going to go to the book of Acts, and we're going to be in the book of Acts chapter 16. Now, this is a story about Paul and Silas, and they're in a city called Philippi. Philippi is in what would be in now modern-day Turkey, and it was a pretty good-sized city, and it was like any city. Uh, It wasn't particularly religious. There were Greeks there. There were Romans there, and Paul and Silas are there doing ministry. Now, they don't have a church there. They don't live there. They're there for several, really it says in the Bible that they were there for some time. Okay, so I don't believe that's a day or two. It's probably several weeks. And so they're doing ministry in this town and something happens to them while they're there. Now, remember our theme this morning as I go through this story, our theme this morning, if you will, is joy and thankfulness. So let me start reading to you in Acts 16 verse 16. Now it happened as we went to prayer, a certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination met us. Let me stop right there. Okay, this is a girl who's demon-possessed, and she has a spirit of divination. What is that? It's a spirit of fortune-telling. Okay, and I'm going to read more to you about what's going on, but I want to stop and say something that I believe is really important and really powerful. Listen, I believe the devil and the world of the demonic and darkness is more active today than it ever has been. The Bible says the devil knows his time is short. Vicki and I go to a dermatologist. I go to a dermatologist in Amarillo. And when we turn to go down the street to his office, on the corner there is a business and it's fortune telling and uh, a psychic. And every time we turn to go to the dermatologist, we go a couple of times a year. I always jokingly say to Vicki, hey, why don't we stop and, and, and let whoever there's tell our fortune? Now, of course, I'm joking, okay? Uh, we, we would never do that. And, and I want to say something to you that I believe is re- really important, okay? If you go to a fortune teller, two things happen there. 
Okay, number one is they're a charlatan and they know how to deal with people and how to read people and they'll take advantage of you and tell you things even though they don't necessarily know anything. Or worse, the person you go to is demon-possessed. Okay, now the demons do not know your future, but they do know your past. Okay, this girl is demon-possessed, and she tells fortunes in the town of Philippi, and she's good enough at it with this demon on the inside of her that people go tell their friends, hey, we went and saw this girl, and she told us stuff about ourselves that we didn't know. And so it grows, that business that they have grows. Listen to me, don't play with the devil. Okay, don't play with the devil. The devil has no mercy. And you don't want to mess around with that stuff, even jokingly. Hey, let's go over there tonight and, and let them read our fortune. Listen, you don't want to do that. You don't want to open the door to darkness. Let me continue to read. A slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination or fortune-telling met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune-telling. Apparently, she was pretty good at it, at it with this demon. The girls, this girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, these men are the servants of the most high God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. She did this for many days. She follows them through town for several days. And you know what she does? Hey, these guys are men of God. And she follows them everywhere they go. And she, it says that she hollers out, she yells out that they're men of God. But it isn't God that's doing it. It's the devil that's doing it. Let me keep reading to you. These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. That was true, but it's being done by darkness. And this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, I love that. He's, he's greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit. Now, he didn't speak to the girl. He spoke to the Spirit. I command you in the name of Jesus Christ, Come out of her. And he came out that very hour or that very moment. But when her master saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas. They dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. They brought them to the magistrate, which is a judge. Okay, Judge Keeter here in town would be a magistrate. They drugged them to the magistrate and said, these men being Jews exceedingly trouble our city. They teach customs that are not lawful for us. Remember, they were Greeks and, and Romans. Being Romans to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up together against them. The magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. Now, what was that? Well, it's like a dowel rod at the lumber yard. Now, not a big one, but a small one. And they would take a handful of those dowel rods and they would wrap them together and then they would whip them on the back. Okay, that's what they did to them. They beat them with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison, fastened their, fastened their feet to the stocks. Stop right there. Wow. Is this not a crazy story? Paul and Silas are going through town, and a girl who's demon-possessed is following them. And everywhere they go, when they stop and get coffee, when they stop and have lunch, when they stop and talk to people, she's a little bit away from them, and she's yelling at them. 
and she's yelling, hey, everybody, these men are men of God, and they've come to tell us the way of salvation. Now, if anybody did that to one of us today, we'd think it was God, wouldn't we? Yeah, if I was in the grocery store getting some milk and somebody started yelling at me and they said, hey, everybody, this is Pastor Rusty. Pay attention to him. He's a man of God and he's come to show the way of salvation. All of that would be true. This is where it's important that you discern evil from darkness and that you have the Holy Spirit and that you understand right from wrong and you know darkness from light, amen? So it says Paul got tired of it. He said, I love it, he was annoyed. He's ticked off. So he turned to the girl. He didn't speak to the girl. He spoke to the demon spirit, and he said, come out of her in the name of Jesus. Listen, you have the power to do the very same thing. Anytime you encounter darkness, anytime you encounter the devil, anytime you encounter demon activity, all you have to do is say, in the name of Jesus, get out of here. And the Bible says they have to obey. Now, listen to me. That's going on more and more and more in our world, even right here in this community. You have the power to use the name of Jesus. It's not something for Paul. It's not something for Silas. It's not something just for Jesus. It's not something for the pastor. It's for every single one of us as born-again believers. He cast the devil out of that woman in the name of Jesus, and it says that her master realized, well, now that she doesn't have that devil anymore, how is she going to tell fortunes? So they grab them. They drag them into the square. A crowd gathers. A mob gathers. They take them before the judge, and, uh, you know, there's no being arrested right then. There's no, you know, there's no due process, if you will. They strip their clothes off of them, and they beat them. They beat them, and, and I almost want to say, it was brutal. It was vicious, okay? It wasn't like they hit them once or twice. It's called stripes. It was the very same thing done to Jesus before he went to the cross. Now, the Romans would beat you to death, okay? The Jews would not. Okay, the Jews were only allowed to give 39 stripes, only allowed 39. Is that crazy? Can you imagine? I mean, I got whippings when I was a kid, but I never got 39 at one time. Not that I didn't deserve it, right? You know, when I would get a whipping, my dad would grab me, and I'd put my hand back there, and he'd hit my hand with the belt, and I'd pull my hand out and yell and holler, and he'd say, if you want it hit, put it back there. He wasn't very enlightened. Yeah, today, you know. And so, I mean, I, I got plenty of whippings, but not hit 39 times. Now, that was what the Jews did. Obviously, they don't beat Paul and Silas to death. And then they tell them, put them in prison. These men are dangerous. And so they take them to, there's a prison there, a local prison. And it says they put them in the deepest part of the prison. Now, you can only imagine, I can only imagine what a Roman prison was like in those times. Now, remember, there's no electricity. There's no air conditioning. There's no heat. Who knows what the food was like? Who knows who prepared it? Who knows what was in it? Okay? I mean, you, you can just imagine how bad it was. Okay? It, it, you know, it was not a good thing. And then it says that they're put in the deepest part of the prison. They put them in the darkest for the worst criminals. And then when they put them in these cells, they uh, put stocks on their ankles, chains, if you will, on their ankles and on their wrists. All of this happens because they do a good deed. 
All of this happens because they cast the devil out of a girl and save her and change her life. Now, of course, her master didn't think it was a good thing, but it was a good thing. It wasn't a bad thing. They're not in jail for robbing or stealing or for killing somebody. They're in jail for operating in their faith. And they're in the darkest part of the prison. Now, remember, there's no electricity. There, there's no lights. Let me, let me keep reading to you. It says, then the multitude rose against them. The magistrates tore off their clothes, commanded to beat them with rods. And when they'd laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer, keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. But at midnight. But at midnight. But at midnight, what do you mean, pastor? They're in the darkest part of prison. They've been accused falsely. They've been beat with many stripes. They're in chains. Who knows if they've had anything to eat? Who knows if they've had anything to drink? You can imagine what it smells like. It's midnight, and look what happens. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Come on. Now, just think about it. I bet everybody in this room has had a moment of midnight in their life. A moment of midnight. Maybe it's been a death. Maybe it's been financially. Maybe it's been a a lost child or a wayward child. Maybe it's the loss of a job. But you have faced a moment in your life where it seemed dark and it seemed like there was no hope and there was no answers. And it was your midnight. It was that time in your life where you wondered where God was. You wondered what was going on in your life. I can only imagine what they were thinking I can only imagine what they were feeling. You know, they didn't dress their wounds. They didn't doctor them. They didn't put bandages on them. It says, at midnight, they begin to sing and they begin to pray. They begin to be thankful. They be, now, listen, folks. This isn't any easier on me than it is you. Okay? All right? I mean, th- this is hard. It says they begin to sing and they begin to praise. Jesus loves me. This I know. Now, I don't know if they sang that song. They sang the songs that were familiar to them. What song would you be singing? What song do you know? What song's in your heart? Jesus loves me. We sing it every week in Power Kids. Every single week. If there's one thing we want our kids in Power Kids to know is that Jesus loves them. For the Bible tells me so, little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. And they began to pray. Now listen, it says the prisoners heard them. Oh, now listen, folks, I'm preaching this to myself. When people listen to you, what do they hear? When people listen to me, what do they hear? Who's 
listening. I know, I, let, let, let's just go through the list. Your kids are listening. Your grandkids are listening. The people you work with are listening. At midnight, in the darkest hour of their life, they sang, they prayed, and they thanked God. And the prisoners were listening. Listen, I've said some things in my life that I hope nobody was listening. I know you have too. There's been times in my life when I probably wasn't as thankful as I should have been. I wasn't as joyous as I've been. I mean, this story is about thankfulness. This story is about joy. And it's about two guys whose lives have been really turned upside down. And it says, and they sang and they prayed. And I believe they praised and they were thankful. And it says, and the prisoners heard them. Now, let me keep reading. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake so that the foundation of the prison was shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, the guard, the guy they told him to put him in the deep hole, awakened from his sleep, seeing the prison doors open, supposed the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself, commit suicide. But Paul called with a loud voice, do yourself no harm, we are all here. He called for a light. That's because it was dark in there. He ran and he fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. I love this part. He brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Here's the answer. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Lord, what must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, that's our one job at Tulia Christian Fellowship is to make sure that you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me continue to read. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. You and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. They left the jail and went to the jailer's house. He took them the same hour of the night. Now, remember, it's like, what time is it now? One in the morning? He took them to his house the same hour of the night, washed their stripes where they were beat. Immediately, he and all of his family were baptized. Where do you baptize people at two in the morning? You know what I mean? I mean, let's go get baptized. They found water somewhere, Amen. When he brought them into the house, he set food before them. He rejoiced having believed in God with all of his household. Oh, my gosh, there's so much in this. In spite of their circumstances, they thanked God. Now, they didn't thank God for their circumstances, and I don't believe for one minute God did that to them. Evil men did it to them. The kingdom of darkness did it to them. But in the midst of their midnight, they thanked God. They praised God. They sang. They rejoiced. Now, you know what it's so easy to do is we show up in church, and thank God you show up in church. But when you show up in church, if everything's going good, I might sing. If everything's going my way, I might praise. If everything's going the way I want it to, I might pray. But they did just the opposite. Everything wasn't going their way, but they sang, and they praised, and they prayed anyway. Listen, you've got people in your life, I've got people in my life that are watching, that are listening, 
And it says that the people that were listening found Christ as their Savior because of their thankfulness. And then they took him, they took them to their house, and their whole household found Christ, and they were all baptized. Listen, do you know the promise in God's word for you and me is, is when you find Jesus Christ, your whole household gets it. It's for your entire household. Listen, if you've got loved ones in your life that don't know Christ as their Savior, you don't stop praying for them. You don't stop believing God for them because the promise of God to you and your family is your household belongs to Jesus Christ. Amen? The jailer got saved and his whole household. We've had it happen countless times in Ground Zero. Teenagers will come here. They find Jesus Christ. They go home to their family, and they say, hey, man, I found Jesus as my Savior. Hey, I'm going to Ground Zero. Hey, why don't we come and go to church? Countless people's lives have been changed because one person found Christ. Then it's morning, and the judge and the magistrates decide to let him go. They're not in trouble. They decide to let him go. And they go to him and they say, hey, y'all are free to go. And Paul says, no, no, I'm a Roman. We're Romans. And you beat us without cause and uh, you put us in jail without cause. And it says the magistrates were afraid. And they thought, oh, my Lord, we've done something to a Roman citizen, and we're going to get in trouble for it. See, Roman citizens had, had certain rights and certain privileges. And so it says they begged them to go on their way. And it says they left and they went to a woman's house named Lydia. Now, let me read to you. I'm going to back up to Acts 16, 14. And let me read you a little verse about a woman named Lydia. A certain woman named Lydia heard us. Paul and Silas go down to the river one day outside of Philippi, and it was a place where they would go. People would go and pray. People would gather by the stream, and particularly women would gather there, and they would like do Bible study, and they would talk about the Word of God, and they would pray together. And so they went there. And when they got there, Paul and Silas began to talk to them and ask them about the things of God. A certain woman named Lydia heard us. She heard them talking about Jesus. She was a seller of purple from the city of Tyra who worshiped God. Now, she's not a Christian. She's not, she doesn't know Jesus, but she worships the God. She doesn't know who to worship, but she's worshiping God. And this is what happens. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. Now, don't miss this. This is so powerful. This is really relates to your family and to those who maybe don't know Christ. They go down to the river, and there's a bunch of women down there, and there's a woman down there named Lydia, and she has a business, and she sells purple cloth, and she, she had money, and she was a business owner, and as they preach the Word of God, it says that God opened her heart. He opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. Then later on, it says she received Christ as her Savior. She was water baptized. She did the very same thing the jailer did. She took it home to her family, and her whole family received Christ, and her whole family was water baptized, and their lives were changed. And then after Paul and those guys get out of jail, they go to her house. Now, we pray this over ground zero all the time. What do you pray over ground zero all the time? That when they hear the Word of God, when Kurt preaches the Word of God, when I preach the Word of God, when he brings the Word of God, when Sean brings the Word of God, that God opens your heart. 
Man, isn't that good? That God opens your heart, and when he opens your heart, particularly in ground zero, God opened their eyes, God opened their heart to receive. Now, all of this happened because of Paul and Silas's attitude. All of this happened because of their thankfulness. A girl got delivered. A jailer got saved. It doesn't say anything about the prisoners, but I bet a bunch of the prisoners got saved. They left and went to Lydia's house, who'd already had an encounter with God, and she'd been saved. The jailer's whole house was saved. Lydia's whole house was saved, all because Paul and Silas were thankful. All because they sang, they prayed, and they trusted God. And others were watching and others were listening. Amen? Amen. Would you close your eyes and let me pray for you this morning? Father God, I want to thank you this morning for this service, this, this Thanksgiving weekend. Father God, I want to thank you for your grace. Father, my prayer today is that you would stir up within us joy. You'd stir up within us thanksgiving. And that, Lord, as we face the things in our life, God, that we would choose to be thankful. We would choose to sing. We would choose to praise you. We would choose to pray. Father God, thank you that your hand is on our lives and on our families. Lord, I'm so grateful for who you are, for what you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen. Praise God. Would y'all stand please?